Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. My name is Colbert Durant. You all know me as Kobe. And today we're going to talk a little bit of MMA, mixed martial arts. We've got Rob J. Speck Nakamura with us from the All-Star Group. He's an MMA analyst, been a fan since the very beginning like myself. So we should have a lot to talk about when it comes to UFC. Rob, how's it going? I am spectacular, my friend, and thank you so much for having me. Awesome having you on, Bun. Awesome having you on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get right in. I want to start with something that's been on my mind lately because it's only been a recent announcement. But we've got the news that the next series of Tough, the Ultimate Fighter, is being hosted by Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler. What do you think about this? I am very excited for a couple of reasons. Uh, main reason is they found a way to make the ultimate fighter relevant again. I know from my dealings with most fans, they, they've checked out like myself. I, I really haven't tuned into it since the rebooting, if you will. And I feel like most fans that I talk to basically the same way. They just skip to the end or to the, the, to the fight conclusion. And this one from talking with people seems that from, the, from, you know, the, the feeling and response I'm getting from people is they're actually interested to watch the program again. And I got to say, I'm one of them as well. I was, I was kind of, like I said, I was tuned out from the show. I'm more digesting who's coming into the league via contender series. I think mm-hmm. like most people are you like you, right? Yeah. This way? yeah. So with that being said, they, they nailed it. I mean, they they got my attention. I feel like they got the people's attention. They're using what they got to make the show interesting again. And they they paired a great, I don't know, use a pro wrestling terminology if if I if I use it correctly, would be um, you know, a, a heel and a face. Yes. Right? They got they got the good guy bad guy combination going on. Um, I think Chandler's an amazing representative for the power uh, the positive side of the sport. I think there's a powerful message that has been lost a little bit. Everybody wants to play the villain now. Everybody wants to be the brash uh, headline newsmaker, like a, like you know, like McGregor is, of course, the 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 ace number one bad guy. So, with all that being said, good guy, bad guy at the helm, uh, a great matchup. Like let's let's go to the part where the coaches fight each other. The way it's all you know, not all the Ultimate Fighters have been that way, which I think was part of the recipe why it died out. I think the coaches should always be fighting each other like the original days. And I think Chandler's a massive challenge for, you know, the the undisputed mass the star of the masses, Conor McGregor. But he, sure, he's the most popular fighter, but for how long and how relevant is he to any weight class? Any weight class, because all we've been seeing of him is getting bigger and bigger and the questions of USADA testing and all that comes into play, but that's here nor there. We're talking about the most entertaining man in the business, breathing life back into the original show uh, of MMA. And I think, I think it's going to be a hit. I think, I think they did a good job. And if there was any way to get this show off of life support, I think they nailed the combination to do so. Yeah, no, I I hear you, man. I'm kind of with you with you on that one. I think it's a masterstroke. Okay, I think it is a masterstroke because when you look at Conor McGregor and what he brings to the table now, I mean, realistically, the majority of his fights aren't going to be relevant anymore. Yeah, these, these aren't relevant fights. They're just they're designed to be entertaining, and then to pair that with the Ultimate Fighter, which I fully agree with you. I stopped watching it as well. 
God. Because I agree in that the ultimate fire requires coaches that have, like, that can really draw attention. Yes. It's just as much about the coaches as it is about the fighters that are in it. So when you have coaches that don't really grab you, you lose a lot of the show. And I think that's why people tuned out before because that was the case, right? I agree. And I mean, people were asking me, a number of people have asked me because, again, like you, I've been following MMA from the beginning. And, you know, people kept asking, you know, what do you think is going to happen when Connor comes back? Who do you think is going to fight? And I always brought up two names. I said, if I'm bringing him back and I'm looking for a fight that's going to be entertaining, it's going to give him an opportunity to potentially win, but it's not an obvious cakewalk. I'm looking at Michael Chandler or Justin Gaethje. Those, those were the two guys that I thought right. this is the possibility. And when I heard it's going to be Chandler and it's going to be in tough, I'm like, that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. Because Chandler's fights aren't that relevant anymore either. Touche. You know, fair point on that one, man. Right? These these aren't these guys aren't really that relevant when it comes to, you know, when you're thinking about who's eventually going to be in title contention, that sort of thing. But do you tune in to watch these guys fight? Everyone tunes in to watch these guys fight because they yes. legit fight. Right? Yes. They, they don't go out there and think, you know, maybe I can win, maybe I can win this on the scorecard. That is the last thing on their mind. They go out there thinking, I want to put on a show and I want to come out that I want to come out of this fight with more followers than I went in with. Yeah, and that's and that is a huge challenge to do. You know, especially in the modern era of MMA, man, you take an L, the internet is is ripe on you. with <laughs> right oh on you on you. You don't even have a chance to take off your wraps and they're already making memes of you. Uh so you know, with that being said, like I, I think it's a rare quality and a special one that Chandler has to to take L's. But and, and, really and come out more popular. Winning. Yeah, just like you said. <laughs> yeah, he t- he, right? It's an L on his record, but like, <laughs> shit, he just gained hundreds of thousands of loyal fans forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the one thing the one thing I think Chandler is much better than Gagey at is G- Gagey couldn't wrestle a mic with four hands. You know, like, he's not anywhere near as gifted at speaking like the way Chandler is. So Yes, they're both, they're both like awesome on the mic, right? So yeah. that just adds to tough. Because they're going to be chirping at each other the whole time. Yes. And that's, you know, if we think about it, that's part of, like you said, going back to the glory days of Tough, is is the sound bites from the the coaches. Yeah. When they say or do things, it lives in the MMA's fans' hearts forever. I hear it getting brought up all the time. So, I was thinking about previously when we were talking about, uh, thinking and talking about Connor, which always seems to be a thing in our MMA lives, is I was thinking for a while, way before this, way, way before this, back when the Nate Diaz shenanigans was going on, I kept mm-hmm. saying, dude, they're going to milk these guys till they can get these two guys to fight each other, that being Diaz and uh, McGregor, because I believed at the time, I didn't have this vision that they had. I believed at the time, I was like, well, he's got one last fight that's being Diaz and two fights on McGregor's contract. And I was like, there's only way you can squeeze the juice that could be made from these guys is to pair them together. I I used to think that was the only way that could be done. I'm really surprised, obviously, the results with Diaz and all that moving forward to McGregor, where they have found a way to squeeze the value out of the superstar one more time. And like you said, the value with him is probably most, not probably, very definitely what you said, not in him uh, chasing the gold or making a title run. He can run his mouth about that. His value is just like you said, making a spectacle of something. Yeah. By putting him on tough, it's like an extended promotion 
for the fight. That's literally mm-hmm. what it is, right? I mean, people are going to be watching tough just to see how Chandler and McGregor get at each other, looking forward to the fight that's going to happen. And the fighters who are trying to win tough is like the secondary thing. Yes. Right? You know, like and that's, and that's what it always has been. But yeah. that's what it always has been. And that's what it always should be. That's what made us love it. We didn't, we turned, we tuned in for Jens Pulver versus BJ Penn. Yeah. And what we got was Andy Wang's soundbite for all time. Right. right? Cost like, check GSP. Right. So all of these things, right? Like we didn't come for those house fighters. The house fighters enter our lives through natural process, but just to not have that marquee matchup between the coaches, I think is brilliant. I love it. I'm excited for it. Uh, I also want to shout out a friend, uh, from Twitter, uh, at ball guy MMA. He called, he called the Chandler matchup almost two weeks before it was official news. Um, Everybody else was kind of on the perimeter of like Ferguson or some shit like that. So I want to give you know give credit where credit's due. The guy's mystic. Shout out, ball guy. I hope you're doing good. <laughs> yeah, to me it just makes sense. It's just it's a sensible fight to make, right? And I'm actually glad you brought up Diaz as well because he's another one of those guys that it didn't matter if he won or lose, his popularity would increase. Oh my gosh, I, it, him he's in a weird place. Like he can be completely irrelevant from the weight class and it doesn't change anything about his uh, draw of the public how much people desire to see him fight the diaz brothers both of them are just rare rare exceptions and and i think it's part of you know their character of who they are who they really are and the character we all subscribe for right we we signed up for the diaz bros back in what, 2012 or something, and we get in the same product we signed up for back then, and we love it, and we want more of it. So, uh, I don't know what's going on with him recently, right? They just keep, he keeps hovering in the boxing space, uh, Mr. Nate, that is. Yeah. And uh, who knows, what's, uh, whatever he does, I'll end up watching it, because I'm like you, just like you, a 30-year degenerate of <laughs> MMA, and then more than that uh, with other things. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm... I think, sorry, sorry, I, think, go for it. I think with those guys, it was it was an understanding. At some point, they realized the money is not in winning. The money is not in a belt. The money is in yes. self-promotion. And anybody who realizes that the money is in self-promotion has gone on to have massive success, whether they win or lose. In the end, their records don't matter. Now, you could have massive success and, and make a, a significant amount of money through winning, but it's actually the harder route to take. Which is surprising to, yeah. you know, for people outside of the sport. Yeah, and because you because you've been watching as much as me, then you you saw when Nate entered the UFC how impressively good he was. Mm-hmm. Nate was so good, man. I, I remember seeing Nate early on thinking this this guy is probably gonna win the lightweight title. Like it's probably gonna happen. His his level of jujitsu and his reach and everything at the time, I'm like, I don't I don't see someone that can really match well with him when he first came in. And then at some point it looked like he didn't care to use his fight IQ (laughs) and just, and just started scrapping people. But because of that, he gained fans. Yeah. Um, what can you say about a guy like him? You know, he's, I think he's one of a kind. I know he has his brother, but when you talk about one of a kind in the UFC, uh, Nick has like a, a whole, mixed up story but nate's is pretty much begins and ends with just the ufc right that's right 
and his his story is very very cool in the sense of he's basically a a clone of a of a guy that we all loved and but somehow is still uniquely his own he's like part of this package brand but he's so just his own cat and you know what I, i'm part of the kool-aid drinkers of the diaz army don't get me wrong okay i'll i'll, I'll, I'll be the guy who says this publicly for all time for, to be recorded and listened to forever that i didn't start realizing how nate how bad nate was until pretty recently like he is a good fighter and a great icon but he hasn't evolved and like you talked about those the way we remember them it's really interesting and they don't get that the hate uh like i i don't ever hear the same the same disses that go for so many fighters i mean i feel like the minute a fighter turns north of 33 they're already getting turned, you know, till they're old and they're shot. I don't hear those things about Nate. That's just the love that he creates. And like you said, that's part of the sport nowadays, right? The spectacle, the, mm-hmm. the big draw, what's coming and who's it's going to be, you know? And I think right now the UFC is at a – they're at a fragile point. Very fragile. Very fragile. Thank you. Okay, so here's one of the – here's another thing what makes this tough announcement so important, right? Because – tough start of the UFC. Let's be honest. Yes. Before tough, the UFC was kind of a joke. I enjoyed it, but but it was a joke, right? It it was, it was an obscurity, dude. I grew up in, I'm lucky. I grew up in Hawaii where Hawaii was one of a few sports that still left Mm -hmm. MMA as an exhibition of martial arts. Mm -hmm. So all the legends back in the day came through. You talk, we're talking about, since we're going to, since you and I from the old school, we go way back. We're talking about, you know, the Pat Militich era, the uh, Carlos Newton and stuff like that. Like you said, before Spike TV, before all that, it was a joke. I literally had to get results of UFC fights. Kids go write this down in magazines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not, and like, not even good magazines. Not no, even good no, magazines. Shanty <laughs> uh, martial arts magazines that was telling you to do weird things. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a weird, weird time. And then, like you said, because of the ultimate fighter, tough from here on out because of tough it became accepted it became like you said everything it is today everything we know of it is today it's it's literally because of tough that's right so resurrecting tough by making this announcement is huge but also the timing is key because like you said they're at a very critical point and you only have to look at the divisions and the title holders so there are a few divisions that are just undisputed. Sure, the, the title holders deserve to be there. They're probably going to be there for quite some time still until they decide to, you know, call it a career. Right. But when you look at like, so you look at lightweight. We'll start with lightweight here because before that, I'm not really going to argue it. But at lightweight, you got Islam Makachev, and he gets ridiculous amounts of hype because of the connection to Habib. But when you look at who he's fought, he's fought outside of winning the fight against Oliveira. He's fought two guys that are in the top ten. That's it. Right. <laughs> right? And and out of those two guys, they're not even big names. No, it's crazy. Right? Like, it's Sorokian, who a lot of people, if they're not big fans, don't even know who he is. Don't <laughs> okay? know. They That's don't like, know him. Who? Yeah. Sorokian. <laughs> <laughs> right? And the thing is, I like Sorokian, but the thing is, like, you, you know, we're fans. So, we, like, like, hardcore yeah, we fans. don't count, which is weird, because we're the yeah. hardcores, guys. But in reality, when, yeah, when you're measuring <laughs> this, we don't count. Yeah. And Dariush, 
who only recently has started to get some respect. His, yeah, his his respect's coming in way too late, in my opinion. But still. very late. He's excellent, right? He's excellent, yeah. right? But like you know, like Gaethje, like he's never fought him, right? They, they've never fought Poirier. They never fought, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's, the, the guys that people know, he's never fought, right? So although he's champion, it's it's kind of a manufactured champion. Respect to that. I can yeah. respect that. Then you got Leon Edwards, who literally stole the title. <laughs> right? It was, a, it, was, it was a theft. He lost the whole fight and then got a head kick. Yeah. You know, you're going to – I I feel bad for your inbox after that one. <laughs> well, I just, I'll, I'll take shit for it. But, but, <laughs> but, but let's be honest. I like no. Edwards. Actually, I like both Edwards. I like Fabian right. Edwards too, right? I, I, I love I love the Edwards brothers, man. Like I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm – I I thought it was awesome when he won, but let's be honest. But there's probably a lot of people that look at it like, well, he's kind of champion, right? Right. Same, and then you got the exact same issue with Pereira. The same thing happened. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So he got owned for the whole fight, and then got the knockout, and it was a a stoppage, not even a knockout, right? A stoppage. Yes. And can we talk about that? He got fed and. People don't want to look back into the history of this, but Pereira got fed matchups to make this happen. Correct. I remember when he first got signed. I remember doing a, uh, a show and saying uh, something along the lines of Izzy and him will never happen. We all of us fans will get screwed just because the arc of time. I was like, he's a little too old coming to sport a little too late. And he's, and I looked at the list of people he had in front of him. Had I known the UFC was going to scratch out every <laughs> single person <laughs> with grappling. All. Yeah. Just like skip. You can grapple at all. Nope. You're gone. And if I did, if you know, so yeah, like his talk about the most, um, tenuous championship in the UFC is one Alex Pereira for sure. Yeah, but hold on. But at least, at least you could say he beat a champion, which you can't say about Jamal Hill. Ah, <laughs> uh, dude, you know that that whole thing was the fight gods trying to give Glover something. I think you know, yeah, it was. Backup, but but it didn't happen. And and kudos to Mister Hill. I don't want to take I don't want to take anything away from him. I feel like he's getting shit on way too much. If we can just briefly touch on that, but going going back, yeah, the UFC is in a tough spot because their champions. Or, or lack thereof because the heavyweight doesn't have one. Or or, or it doesn't have one. <laughs> or you're interim or you're this or you're that. Yeah. They're not, almost very few of them. I don't want to say none of them. Very few of them are simultaneously champions or champion caliber and pay-per-view draw. Correct. They're not the same. It's brutal right now for the UFC. It's a brutal time for them. It is interesting as shit. Um, considering how the the champions they have and how little they can draw, but okay, okay, now hold on. They they have to blame themselves for that, though. They have to blame themselves for that because they put a disproportionate amount of marketing behind very few fighters. Yes, that is true. Right? No, they, okay. they need to divide the wealth a little bit better. Yes. Well, okay. There's so many – actually, when you look at this, like, fairly, there's more than a few things you can point at the UFC. One, exactly what you just said, Un disproportionate marketing. Holy crap. Talk about feeding your favorite children and letting your non-favorite children starve. Starve, they yeah. Starve. <laughs> like, obscurity starve. I had um, – I'm not going to 
put his name out there because it was an unrecorded session. He was just chilling with the fans and speaking his mind. So, okay. Um, but he's a he's a, a you know a one twenty fiver, and at the time he got his first match in the UFC, he got put up against a big prospect, and he just felt like he he basically felt like the UFC didn't even want him there. And he goes, it's a real, it's a weird feeling for me because I've I've trained my whole life to get here, and then I get kind of I get treated like I'm I'm supposed to lose. Like they're not his quote that I'm going to quote from him is they are not fucking with me at all. Mm-hmm. But good for him though. He's gone out since that match and got a dub for himself. So they're going to have to fuck with him a little bit. He's going to have to catch catch those dubs. But yeah, man, uh, the way they go about picking and choosing who they think uh, should get some love. It is really weird. I don't know who's behind that. I guess, I mean, it's probably best that we don't or else they'd be getting harassed pretty hard. But, yeah, the UFC's got to show more love to more of its athletes. The other thing I think it did that hurt itself is their their almost blatant and reckless expansion into foreign markets. Now, let me be clear that I understand it's a world sport and to make more money, you need to have it all over the world. Mm -hmm. But, by rapidly searching and acquiring champions from all over the place, one thing about all over the place is, and if you don't know this, fans of North America, uh, most of the fans worldwide don't pay for pay-per-view. They don't buy that shit. It's not even an option. Yep. It's not even a mechanism in their lives for watching sports. So what are we, like, what are we doing? So we're, we're chasing expansion in other countries with stars who don't generate pay-per-view money. And then we don't have any real American stars coming out organically. So what are we left with? We're left with this, what we got now. Champions that don't really sell. And yeah, I think that's a, it's a weird math formula that they got to figure out. Because I can literally think of two people and then after that it gets pretty hard to... To say, oh yeah, they'll sell. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's brutal. It's, <laughs> it's brutal. Crazy. And then so. to to make to to expand on your point, when it comes to like flying around the world and holding events in different places, whatever, you know, that's what they want to do. That's what they're going to do. They think they want to expand their their viewership that way. Go ahead and do it. But the, the problem with that that doesn't get discussed at least not directly, is that you're looking at a sport where a high percentage of the athletes feel like they're not making much money. And then and then you're asking them, hey, do us a solid and fly to France <laughs> and, and find a place to stay and we're going to give you a fight there. Right? Yeah. And, and you're going to be fighting Pierre uh, Dule France and it's going to be totally fair when you go to decision. <laughs> We, we promise. We promise. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, like, yeah. it takes a lot out of these guys, and a lot of them aren't making that much yet. Yeah. And anybody you find fighting in the first three fights, I can pretty much tell you that they're making 10 and 10. So that's yeah. 10,000 10, to, to show up and make weight, 10,000 extra if you win. And unless that's, they train themselves. <laughs> yeah. Right? You know what I mean? They're their but own I want, coach. I, I, want, I want fans. Yeah. I want fans to really absorb that, though. Like, I don't really think the fans really absorb the whole the first two or three fighters you're seeing tonight is on a 10 and 10. That means if they fought three times this whole year, they're about or slightly above average of someone who would be working full time 
at a you know minimum wage job. So it's like that's that's bonkers. Yeah. Right? Like people gotta really consider those things uh when looking at these fighters and what they're doing. And that's why if we if we're gonna connect it to the beginning of what we're talking about, I think that's why we got so many people trying to sell out their name, sell fast. They're yeah. trying to be they're trying to be the bad guy because I think they think it's the quicker route. It's more fun to be the bad guy, I think, just in my own imagination. But yeah, I think that's why we have this subculture of fighters all trying to be the bad guy, all trying to be brash, all trying to get attention. And it's it's I don't know it's yeah because the money is not in the cage the money is outside the cage yep the money is in sponsorships you know like you you got a few great fighters from back in the day that paved the way like and GSP really paved the way right paved he the is, way he is like the first one to be like what's that you're gonna like Under Armour's gonna be a million dollars just to wear their their clothes done mm-hmm. <laughs> right like that's it begins there and then people just took it to the next level. Right, you got like someone like Conor McGregor, which went went over top with it, beyond. Yeah. So, and the guys coming up now are looking at looking at them, right? Because you, you you hear the voices. So you got this like ninety percent of the voices saying, "Holy shit, I don't make enough money for this shit." Right. I'm going in there and getting punched in the face, and I'm not making much money. And then you got the the ten percent that are like, "I'm rolling in it because of right. my because of my my social profile outside of the ring." Yes. So which 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 group are you gonna follow, right? Like it only it only makes sense that you you know you're Sean O'Malley and you say fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Speaking of speaking of which, he just signed. Yeah, Sh- Sugar Show just signed an eight fight contract extension. I don't know if you got that bit. That's massive. He's probably their only American uh, based superstar that they could have coming down the pipe. That could, and we don't know yet, but could generate pay per view buys, right? Yeah. But yeah, that's um, oh, that's a tough spot they're in. That's all I can say is they're they're in a real tough spot when it comes to what are they going to do when it comes to that pay per view model because they've really hurt themselves. But there's a there's a small piece of that story you're talking about the uh, the fighter pay. What yeah. about the guys in between? You know, like who fighters who I think got paid pretty decently. Uh, guys like Shane Burgos. You know, he said he was making like. Pretty good money. I forget what it was. I, I wish I could remember the quote at the time. I think he was saying like seventy five k a show. So seventy five, seventy five. Like I, I, I could be misquoting him. So, uh, anyways, the point being is he was on the argument side of, hey, I'm getting paid pretty good. I don't know what your guys's contracts are, or what your kind of deal is, and and obviously Shane's hasn't reached world title status, but mm-hmm. he was on the side of like, hey, everything's pretty good here. You guys should just do better and you'll get paid better. Almost like the, the, <laughs> the Dana White theory, right? The yeah. Dana White theory. Yeah. But but then he goes and signs with the PFL. That's right. So the, the PFL really throws a kink into things. And Bellator now too because of the Grand Prix system, right? So right. I love what Bellator and the PFL are doing. I love yes. what they're doing. I love the Grand Prix system. First of all, it means you're going to get real fights. Yes. <laughs> right, not not fixed yes. fights to big one guy up. Yes. You get real fights. You have no choice. You have to fight the next guy ahead of you, or you're not going to advance. Yes, which is how the UFC used to be. Like when you, when you were UFC champion, you know, a decade ago. Shit, we're old, bro. It was a couple decades ago. Oh, a couple decades. Yeah, but you, <laughs> you, but you, but you earned it. Yes, like you went through a, a gauntlet of fighters to get to the title. 
<laughs> and one of the reasons why there were so few guys that held the title for a long period of time is because by the time you got there, you were burnt. Mm-hmm. Right? You were done. So you had just the elite that could hold on to a title for a certain length of time. Nowadays, guys aren't holding on to titles because they don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Because right? like, I just – I just think that moving a weight class is going to be the best thing for me, like yeah, or whatever it is. Gives me yeah, more fights, yeah, more matchups, more money. I'll relinquish the belt. Who cares? And and you know what? Going looking at this as one big mix of stuff. You know who were the biggest stars back in the day? Guys who grabbed championships in both arenas, right? If you if you went overseas and went to the competing brand at the time, Pride. If you went over there and even just won a fight or two. Mm-hmm. Your stock stateside went fucking through the roof, and yes. vice versa, right? And I don't know, I, and I, I know this is going to be too much of an ass to try to get PFL and UFC or anybody to work with the UFC because they just seem not interested. But Bellator, with their cooperation with Ryzen, yeah, uh, you're talking about getting that that juices back, getting that that curiosity of like, oh shit, this guy's won a couple belts over here. I'm willing to see what he's what he could do against the UFC guy, you know. Like, I think that whole dynamic is missing from the sport. But I, I wish, I wish it to come back. I love the PFL, like you said. I love the PFL because fighters determining the outcome, the fight system, yeah, the point system is awesome. Point system, beautiful. The uh, the tournament system of the the Grand Prix, where like you said, the the top eight guys is all invited and you all get to play and the championship gets to be defended along the way. Yeah. Beautiful. You know, uh, all these kind of things that take away these arbitrary rankings. I'm not like I'm, I'm half in half out with the rankings. Sometimes I feel like, you know, we need them because at least it gives you a path, gives you a direction. But then you get, you get situations like the Sean O'Malley situation. Mm-hmm. There's no way. He should be number one. <laughs> he, cause, yeah, because you had one fight against a respected opponent. That was perfectly chosen for your style of fighting, right? Yeah. Like, they literally handpicked the po- the best possible opponent for him. And see, that's like, – can we – let's kick open the door on this. Since the uh, acquisition of the UFC uh, has taken place, so basically like a year after the acquisition, you could see – what their matchmaking in the UFC has changed to what I would like to call the boxing formula. Yes. And you know what I'm talking about, right, Kobe? Like hundred percent. You've got you've got promoters that want to promote certain fighters within their stable that they think can be champions and they feed them other fighters in their stable that they figure can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to elevate to elevate themselves. Yeah, exactly. That's dude, and that's what it's I, I've been seeing that more before you know, before I just thought, well, sometimes you get good matchups and sometimes you get whatever matchups. But now it like it happens so often, and like some some you get these like alley oop, like it's like here, like here's a treat, like uh, <laughs> um, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, like uh, forget uh, Duho Choi at his last matchup. Shoot, who is he fighting? I'm, I'm blanking the, his opponent's name right now. I'm so I'm sorry, Mr. Choi and his opponent. But the point being is Duho Choi got the uh, the point taken away from him, headbutt, and the other guy gets a draw. But the point is that the other guy he's been facing is like is kind of not so good. I would say for respectfully, and you have another guy who's on a losing streak, full blown 
in desperate situation, and they paired him not against a killer, not against someone who's con- like in contention, just the softest pitch they could throw him, mm-hmm. hoping to get a dub. He doesn't get the win. It ends up being a, a, a draw because of a headbutt performed by Mr. Choi. And, and then after the fact, to make this, like I said, to make this more like boxing, you have the follow-up story where Dana White says, uh, you know what? I didn't like that decision, so I just gave him his winning purse anyways. Yeah. So wait, what? So like, we're just gonna it's undermine. Because, it's because you wrote the check earlier. <laughs> it was already written. Yeah. Right? Then let's get the facts straight, right? Like, <laughs> come on, like what? And so we're now we're just gonna just based on our own personal preferences, we're gonna start throwing fighters winning purses. Like that doesn't drastically change, you know, the, the next uh, fight camp, you know, for the next fighter if they only got their show money versus winning purse as well that's right and and you know what you mean though i i love it when it backfires on him oh yeah i love it when you have like an Ilya toporia and he just <laughs> throws a wrench into the program <laughs> shits the bed as they say <laughs> right oh, shit in the bed. yeah he's just, no. he's just like no sorry i'm not gonna take the loss you want me to take all right i'm gonna win anyways so like i love it when it backfires on them yeah they're i don't know that like i said that that their matchmaking in uh, I want to say over the past year and a half, if if anybody who's listening to this wants to go back, go back in that, go back in there and look how many guys are are liked, and then look how many of them are coming off of like a surgery or some kind of something, and what kind of matchups they get versus fans that like fighters that don't have no love like when you come across a roster and you're like who's this guy again mm-hmm. look at look it up look see, see who they're fighting and i say in the past like year and a half almost two years definitely it's been ugly the the boxing formula has really wedged its way into the ufc and i'm not i don't know i don't like it if i can just keep it that plain no it's true it's true like i mean i it used to be you know let's let's say i watched 10 events out of the 10 MMA events I watched, probably like eight were UFC. Right. Nowadays, if I watch 10 events, it's probably 50-50. Maybe half the events I watch are UFC events and the other half are coming out of one or Bellator or PFL or something because I expect the matchups in those fight, in those promotions to be a little, little even. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and it's, you know, and I, I, because I'm the MMA guy in our group, people are always, you know, I sometimes I put out my picks for, you know, big events and that sort of thing. And people are people ask me, you know, who are you picking in this fight? And quite often I, I hear myself saying, well, I think so-and-so probably has the advantage here because he has more ways to win. But the other fighter is liked more by the UFC. So I'm going to have to go with him. <laughs> Isn't that dangerous? Like I literally pick the more popular fighter, not because I think he's he's got the tools to win, but I just think that the situation has been warped in such a way that he, unless he gets finished, he's probably going to win. Yeah, and it's fair to think that. I mean, the you're not alone. Come on, let's be honest. We have been barking at the governance governance system, such as the scoring. Or the implementation of of how points are pulled from fights via the refs. It's crazy. Week after week, we do fight watch companions, and we do them for all the organizations, like you mentioned. But week week after week, 
week after week we there's a there's a decision that goes on and everybody is either up in arms about the decision as a whole or how it came to that conclusion and then I'm I wish I could remember the the fight off the top of my head this past week but I want to get to the conclusion part that there's basically the fight was two rounds went to one fighter and one round clearly went to fighter B yeah and the scorecard came out 30-27 and <laughs> and you would have thought that they gave the decision to the guy who didn't deserve it. But the crowd, the fans in the room, all, you know, hardcore fans were like, they were disgusted. And I, I'm using that word properly. They were genuinely disgusted that a professional, and I'm putting air quotes that nobody can see, is a professional judge could score that fight, uh, you know, 30-27. It's just mm-hmm. unfathomable to regular fans. So, with all that being said, the scoring system, the corruption, maybe, kind of, sort of, uh, I try to believe in the the, the fact that the system has, over, has oversight. I really try to believe that the, you know, the money men behind the scenes are protecting the sport and keeping it as good and wholesome as anything with money can be. But when you have other products, like you just mentioned, one championship Mm -hmm. where they score the fight as a whole, I mean, I don't know. It's it's really interesting. I think what I'm trying to bring this to and focus down onto is the way we go about judging fights and not just that, but are we fully settled on this way of scoring MMA? I think the the one championship, and I want to shout out at Sickle Sports, my buddy there, he, he's an advocate for this uh, one championship scoring format. And I was a little, I'll be honest, I was a little bit of a purist. I was like, oh, I don't know about score, scoring the fight as a whole. I know it used to be done back in the Pride era, but that shit was yeah, super tainted. Pride was a little different, yeah. That was tainted as shit. <laughs> so... <laughs> I so so you know going back to one i'm just like is this but you know what i gotta borrow a line from them and it's pretty much true at the end of a one fight even if you you could have a little bit of this or that you are not like arguing with the tv the way you are arguing with the judges uh in the ufc sometimes you're like what the is going on here and then on the when you score a fight as a whole most of the time you go oh yeah shit fight was a close fight i could see that so I'm really just curious because I know one has their their match coming up in March, I think early March for their first event in America using their rules. So that's Colorado with the knees on the ground. How mm-hmm. do you feel about knees on the ground, Kobe? <laughs> I, I prefer the Pride format. Oh, so you want it all? Yeah, you, you, the knees is not enough for you. Correct. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So at least I know who, I'm, who we're dealing with here. So uh, I'm with you. So yeah. by by the way, handshake on that. I want you know, if, if this is martial arts competition, and let them do it all. Yes, this is martial arts competition. So here, so here's the thing. Okay, let, let's say the UFC adopted the pride rules. We'll we'll stick. We'll go away from the whole ten minute round, and we'll don't worry about the scoring and such. But Right. They adopted the pride rules. How many fights that currently end up in decisions would, would have been finishes? At least 50? At, at least. Probably higher, right? Maybe even three quarters of the fights that end up in decisions would have actually been finishes if you allow those rules. Yup. No one disputes a finish. <laughs> right? No one does. But if, but if you allow that, 
what does it become harder to do? It becomes harder to protect fighters. Yeah, and that, but that's see, that's the thing. The protection, that's where people get mix, mixed up when it comes to athletic commission and protecting your fighter. Mm-hmm. They're not protecting your fighter from catching an ass-kicking people. They're protecting your fighter from competing in other matches too soon from Correct. getting their asses kicked. So I want people to really understand that. While you're in there getting your shit kicked in, they're doing absolutely nothing to protect you. The only guy in there <laughs> protecting you is Herb Dean, maybe. Maybe okay. Herb Dean, yeah. <laughs> so, so with that being said, the way they protect you is by forcing mandatory rest periods onto you based on how much combat you received. So if you got kicked in the head or stomped out, kneed out, that goes on the super bad knockout spectrum, and you get like a like a half a year, 130 days or 180 days, one of the two. Correct. Like, so you, I, I just I, what I'm saying is when it, when the people straight jump to that as a defense, we can't have knees to the head, we can't have kicks to the head. Is not fighter safety? Uh, yeah, actually, if you got kicked, if you got knocked out that way, you get to ride the bench like everybody else and make sure your stuff's together before we send you back out. So well, yeah, it's not. It's I, not just that you account for it too. Yeah. If you know it's an option, you account for it. You do things to protect yourself in those situations. But the the reality is, it's going to happen, and it's going to finish fights. And yes. I would rather see fights finished because then there's no controversy. Yes, <laughs> right. And let's and let's go. Let's play a little bit of the the devil's advocate on the other side. I'm going to put on my promoter suit. What sells tickets and pay per views? Finishes. Finishes. Thank you. I was going to say knockouts, but that's for boxing. Finishes. Yes, exactly. Like, finishes sell shit. So why wouldn't you want this? And, yeah, I I don't know. I'm pretty excited. All I can say is I'm excited for one. I hope they can stop hemorrhaging money and become, you know, cash flow positive. I'm looking forward to them making their debut in Colorado. I I hope that's you know good great shit. I hope that the PFL, Bellator, and all these guys can find a way to work with each other. That so would that, be awesome, man. So that like champion versus champion. Imagine doing a happen. PFL Bellator Grand Prix that's combined would be amazing. Would be amazing, man. Dreams. What dreams make would come from that. Does the PFL make money, or do they just have money to burn? I I, I wonder about the PFL sometimes, man. Yeah, see, that's that's a good question about them. The thing you'd have to kind of be like, I guess they're growing naturally with themselves is every time they get more money, they expand. So it looks like a healthy you know, progression. One, I think last year, I think, if you, I think the article I saw was like $121 million in the toilet. Like, bro, bro, that's a lot of money. I don't yeah. know how much money you got, but I'm pretty sure there's not a – business model out there that can sustain multiple 121 <laughs> million a year financial dies. But, yeah, exactly. Maybe in Colombia, right? <laughs> yeah. See, like the, the <laughs> nice one. The, uh, the, the PFL, the, you know, they expanded their presence on uh, ESPN, so then they expanded their programming. They expanded a deal with that FUBU folks. I don't know what they're doing over there, but at least they got the Challenger Series over they there. They got Jake Paul now. They got Jake Paul list like I love the Jake Paul signing. Can we talk about doing signings? You're like we should just do this for your show. Sign <laughs> sign people, but like have just no date on when the fuck they're supposed to be here. But the signing is 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 the hype. 
right? Yeah, the signing is the hype. <laughs> yeah, so so we, yeah, we just signed. We signed John Jones. Everybody, this is our new show. We signed John Jones. He'll be here. We're not sure when, but we're we're, we're setting shit up. But in the meantime, you should tune in and find out what we're all about. Yes, <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, that's what I mean. So good job on them for like, oh yeah, not doing anything but doing something with nothing already. If that makes sense, good, good <laughs> for does. you guys, people. Uh, I love them. I love what they're doing. I love their their steady progression. I mean, you can literally go look at them, and I think from 2018 was their first year as PFL after World Series of Fighting. I, I think so. Anyways, point being. Look at them every single year, and they've done something every year or multiple things every year that keeps pushing them up the relevancy ladder. Yeah, to grow the platform, basically. Yes. And I love them. I love them for that. I love them not being scared. I love them signing anybody. I love them putting them, putting UFC fighters against how, however the format works out. And if you get a, you got yourself a Clay Collier that's just going to come out of left field and smoke UFC talent that you're paying too much for, fuck it. That's yeah. just what happens. I honestly, I have a feeling like Nganu could end up there. Oh my gosh! Talking about talking about the, like the biggest like one single move. I get he feels like the ring from like Lord of the Rings, right? Like, <laughs> the one <what>? ring. <laughs> yeah, if you if you have Francis, you can almost single handedly change the entire landscape of MMA relevancy, especially in the heavyweight division. Yeah, because let's be honest, UFC heavyweight division. I love, I love you, UFC, but the heavyweight division has been the longest running joke in the organization. It's it's treated like a shit show. Yeah, the heavyweight division is a shit show. The UFC has been since the end of the tournament era that we we brought up earlier. Uh, so with the U, with PFL, if they could snag. Uh, Francis to come over there and I, uh, a little interview from Kenny Florian said something about the long lines of they would want Francis to basically just be like a super fight and maybe fight the regular season champion in one of okay. their, their yeah, pay-per-view yeah. formats. Because you don't want yeah. to scare away the other heavyweights, basically? Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> you, you know what the, what the opening line would be for, like, Francis to win PFL season? It would be, like, negative 20,000. Yeah, insane. Yeah. <laughs> the only and way then, he loses is if he gets hurt outside of the cage, right? Yeah, but, a car or something. <laughs> but think about that. For real, though, if the PFL added Francis or even – uh, Bellator did it, but I don't think they're in the running. If they did that, I mean, talk about a huge, not just because of one fighter, but a, a tremendous change in the way your weight class is perceived. That's right. The top heavyweight in the world here. 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 And could you imagine? I hope he, I hope it doesn't happen, but could you imagine if he lost? I mean, he wins a little bit, but then win, then loses at like maybe his third fight or something. That would just change everything. Yeah, that would be even bigger because it elevates their heavyweight class into being the official one completely. Oh my gosh, that would be crazy. But yeah, that's enough for fantasy talk on that, I guess. But we just we got to see where where good old Francis lands. Uh what where would you want to see? You want to see him box or you want to see him in MMA? Where do you want to see his next stop? I would like to see him box and get a big payday. It doesn't yeah. have to be against the Gypsy King, it could be against somebody else, but t- t- take a boxing match, get a big payday. 
even if he's an unorthodox boxer, you, if he catches you, good night, man. Like, it's like, it would just be fun to watch. And then because of that big payday, he could do whatever he wanted. And then signing with someone like the PFL makes sense. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right on that. The only part I disagree with is anybody, like, see him fight anybody but Fury. I think, I think all the King's Horses and all the King's Men is on Fury. Like, we would, I think the world would take a collective five-second pause to tune in for that fight. That's just the way I feel. Oh, I think so, too. I just, I don't know if it could get done. That's the problem. Yeah, I think there's, the there's, there's too much, maybe too much pushback from both sides as to what they want. I think if he goes after someone who's, you know, a step down from Fury, then there's, it's likely they, they get it done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If he wants to fight somebody, I think they were throwing out, not Chisora, they are throwing out, it doesn't really matter. They're throwing out somebody who's a good boxer, and I was like, that's not where the draw is. Folks, do not get this confused. We want to see one fight in mixed competition fighting, and that is between the two champions. Well, you know, one former because of political reasons. But that's that's the money. The money is a knockout artist versus Tyson Fury in boxing. I think you're right, though. Kobe, we're, we're probably not going to get – we're not going to get to see it because there's already, like you said – red tape and pushback. Yeah. Because Francis apparently agreed to good old-fashioned boxing rules, and then apparently Tyson Fury is the one coming out here with, oh, let's fight yeah, with small gloves, and let's fight in a cage. He's he's the one trying to make a circus out of it. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a little bit, a little bit sad about that. Because it would be awesome. It would. I think it would be even better than McGregor and Mayweather. Okay, I, I thought that was such a joke. I did not tune in. You what? You didn't really? I, d- I didn't watch it. I, I probably had twelve people call me that day. Hey, you watching the fight? I said no. They're like, why not? I'm like, because McGregor's going to get owned. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I guess I was part of the weird, the small bunch. You know, because most people at that point in Mayweather's career, everybody was tuning. Let's be honest, everybody was tuning in to watch Mayweather lose. We were hoping. Yeah. Yeah, hoping. They're watching hoping <laughs> yeah. that it was like a it was like reverse lottery. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe hope <laughs> we, can, we can lose here. No. But it never happened, obviously. No, come on. And I watched this. I watched it for the polar opposite reason of you. I knew McGregor had no chance. I just wanted to see like how much of an ass kicking McGregor was going to receive. And you know what in his defense for three and a half rounds, he looked actually competitive. For a moment. Okay, hold on. Okay, so I, I watched the fight after. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Floyd was just carrying him along. See, I want I would want to bite you on that, but there's a there was a there was a counter that McGregor had using an uppercut after a straight right entry, like he that he worked on and got it down. And I don't think anybody after he got hit with that, uh Mayweather that is, he got hit with it twice. After that, you can see his like brain turn on, like his boxing IQ. He's like, "Well, I'm gonna have to turn this up a notch." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so you know what I mean? Like, I, I definitely think like it was levels, but I can't believe that. You know, if, if this was like a little like password puzzle game, mm-hmm. then McGregor passed like level one warm up, and okay. I didn't think he was gonna get past that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's, that's how I thought it. So this fight, you know, with with Fury and Ngannou. We have the one magical thing that heavyweight brings, right? The the nuke, the one hitter. That's right. Like literally anybody of that size can deliver a bomb. Yeah. 
So I think that's what makes that match more intriguing. Also, the way I don't feel people feel the same way about Fury as they did about Mayweather. I think people felt like Mayweather's this like wizard, this crazy tactician. And then Fury, I think they'd give him his props on his boxing craft, but not so much like on that same level. So, you know, obviously because he got clipped by Wilder. That's and I think right. everybody just wants to relive that moment. I think that's what we all want. We all want like some fucking Undertaker ass <laughs> moment from Fury. Like he just coming off the canvas like he did that one time. I think we all just want that again, even though that's not whatever's going to ever happen again. But yeah, that's that's that. I, uh, I, whatever happens with Mr. Ngano, I just want to say that I hope he gets all the money. Yeah, man. All the money and then some that he turned away because I know he walked away from an $8 million deal from the UFC and that takes big, big balls. Huge, man. Huge. Like, I, I don't... I just I just hope he can get similar money elsewhere because I don't know if you knew about some of the things that he was fighting for. Yes. The, the reason why... It, it, yeah, it like wasn't the, the money, right? It wasn't, it wasn't the, the money, money, right? It was a principle of things. Couple of principles items, and he even said, "I didn't expect to win on any of these." But the fact that they didn't even want to counter on any of them mm-hmm. was was shocking and, and put a bit better taste in his mouth. So I, I feel like I hope for for just fan patronage, I just hope Francis gets his due money, and I hope that more people read that story and they see that even the biggest baddest man, even the champion, the lead horse. If he does something by himself, it, it creates no impact on the organization or anything you're dealing with. And this message can be spread across, you know, America or Canada or wherever you may live. Like, you have to work in unison with your peers. You have to work together, people, because he all he was fighting for was, like, a fighter advocate, perhaps. Yeah. Or some health care or uh, possibly just one extra sponsor, just one. And yeah, he wasn't fighting for anything outrageous. I think all things that the fighters should just have, at least one, pick one. I don't care. Yeah, I hope he wins um, the moral the moral battle. I hope he gets whatever concessions he's looking for somewhere else, even if he doesn't get all eight million. One one hundred man, one hundred. Uh, what 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 do you got on your horizon, uh, combat horizon that that's got you tickled? Um, honestly, I'm looking forward to the next season of PFL big time. All right. I'm hyped about the Bellator Grand Prix as well because I like Usman Nurmagomedov. I like what he's shown us so far. He's a fucking dynamic mixed martial artist. So I like that Grand Prix. I like the guys he's going to have to be facing. Both of those I'm, I'm amped for. I'm, I'm, I'm not hyped about the Makachev Volkanovsky fight. I was just about to say that. I was just about to bring that up. And so to to put a specific yeah earmark on this uh, topic right here, <laughs> why are you not interested in Makashev and Volkanovsky? It's a money grab and nothing else. Got it. If they had have taken Volkanovsky and said, you know what? You've cleared out the featherweight division, right? Cleared yes. it out. The, and then some. You want to come up to lightweight, that's fantastic. Let's give you two or three fights at lightweight to prove what you can do, and then we'll give you a title shot. Even two fights. Give them two fights and then a title shot. No, they give them a title shot immediately, and it it literally does two things. So one, it puts them in a no-lose scenario. Right. Right? If he wins, wow. If he loses, 
whatever. <laughs> right, because he's moving because he's right, moving yeah. up against a, a superior opponent. Right, he's supposed right. to lose. He's completely outsized. He's small for a featherweight. Yeah, he's the B side of the equation for sure. Right, yeah. so that that kills it. Now, if he wins, it's a huge bonus. Right, it, it'd be a massive bonus for the UFC as he wins. But basically, in my opinion, by the UFC giving him Makachev off the bat, it's almost like the UFC is saying, "We know you can't you can't hack it at lightweight." So we're just going to end this now. We'll, we'll bring you up. We'll give you a title shot. You'll get your ass handed to you, and you can go back to being the featherweight champ like we want. Yes. Thank you for bringing this this dance, the way this dance is unfolding. Thank you for bringing it up because I don't know if people forgot, but there was, you know, once upon a time, the greatest fighter on the planet was named Anderson Silva. And when he tr- took the journey up a weight class, the motherfucker got like unranked opponents at first. <laughs> That's right. He That's got right. Treated, he Guys got you never yeah. heard of. Guys you never heard of. Yeah, like, uh, like why? That's crazy, you know. Like, and like you said, just like now, the way this is handled because of the the whole double champ uh, thing. Uh, you know, trend, fad, whatever. Yeah. Because of the way it is, it is. Like you said, just straight in. All right, Volk, you haven't completely iced out your division, but you know what? Just go straight to the champ. Because, <laughs> like you said, it, there's a no, it's like kind of like, uh, like you said, it doesn't hurt their champion in a way. Because look at, look at the way Izzy's lost to Young. People, people treat that shit like it happened on the moon. Yeah. Uh, most people have forgotten, they've forgotten about it. Yeah. It's completely forgotten. What, what, do you, what do you mean he's got two losses on his record? He only lost once. He lost to Pereira. <laughs> like, no, no, he yeah. moved He moved up, remember? Oh, yeah, that happened, right? I forgot all about that. They just go, oh, it doesn't count. Like, no, uh, professional record says otherwise there, player. Like, it definitely <laughs> yeah. does count. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's weird the way that they, I thank you for pointing that out. It's weird. Uh, like you said, it's very orchestrated. It feels like, it feels like a hit on Islam. Yeah. Because it's like, here, Islam. We are, first, we're going to make you champ against one of the most beloved champs. And talk about a champ who didn't get the proper marketing, uh, proper marketing for themselves when they were champ. That's one Charles Oliveira. Mm-hmm. Like, talk about that. We'd have a whole nother show for that one, buddy. Yeah. But just like Islam is not, you know, he's, he's kind of, I, I just don't, he has whistle words for this. He, he's kind of getting that, that shadow treatment, I feel. Like we were talking about, like certain fighters, certain people. I feel like Islam's biggest thing that they can do for him is what they keep doing. Is let's mention Khabib. Has it been has it been three minutes since we said Islam's name? Uh, timer up. Say Khabib. Yeah. You know, like that's all they do. And now they're gonna pair him against uh, a weight class below for his first championship. It's just Correct. like, wow, dude. Take just take away all the shine from Mister Makachev, right? Like weird, very weird. Yeah, man. Brutal, but that's just that's just what it's become now. So I understand now. This is why you are not enthused with uh, <laughs> right. the, the, this champion versus champion. What, what what do you think about it being um it being all in uh, Australian stuff? You think? No, that's cool. That I mean, that's that's like a it's almost like a thank you to Volk, right? Yeah. You know, like we're, so. Thank we're, you. Here's a guy much bigger than you. You're probably going to lose, but hey, a- at least you get to stay home and have your fans around you. And even if you lose, no one's going to hate you for it because it's almost an impossible situation. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. You know, like don't even worry about it. And you get a big paycheck. There's a lot of hype on it, so you're welcome. <laughs> 
I think you would circle this something to the beginning of the show. Basically, we were talking about, you know, the lack of the, the pay-per-view draws kind of going down and, and yeah. stars and regions and stuff. Okay, perfect example. Going on right now. They're pulling out all the stops for Volk. And does he deserve it? Hell yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a Volk hater. Like, go for it, sir. You deserve it. Yeah. But they're putting on a lot of Australian uh, talent on the card. They're got it in a situation where he probably should lose and it's a pay-per-view event so what they treat the pay-per-view card in a really really weird way they treat it like a hey here's a development card here's a bunch of people from the region you, you probably would have never seen otherwise and then we're gonna make the headline you know We'll make one of the champions suffer. I just don't understand what they're doing as a whole. Uh, but I guess that's a question that we'll see in time get figured out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll know before the end of this year. Definitely. I don't know. What I'm actually looking forward to, and I hope more good uh, mix, mix bouts get mixed up. You know what I'm saying? is, uh, I want to see more prevalent boxing people come over into mixed martial arts. I want to see more mixed martial arts. Good fighters, not fighters that don't belong there. Good fighters cross over yeah. and, and get their paydays. That's what I'm hoping happens more of this year. All right. Right on, Rob. Guy, it was awesome talking to you, buddy. Great talking with you, man. Now, before I let you go, where can people find you on social media? You find me at the letter J S P E C at J spec, the host on Twitter and Instagram. But most of the time you find me on Twitter Tuesdays and Thursdays do a show for the All-Star. So that's at the All-Star Sports. And yeah, so that's where you can find me most frequently. Saturdays, please join me on Twitter. Do a fight companion fight watch along for every UFC event. We just basically watch fights, score the score the, the fight as we see it. And I try, I don't always pull it off, but I try to get active UFC fighters, some Bellator fighters to join us. And comment along as well. So if you just want a good, fun place to enjoy the fights, meet other MMA fans, and just grow and share the love, uh, come see me on Twitter at JSpectheHost. That's awesome, buddy. And and All Star has an app now, right? Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Available in all uh, Play Stores, um, Apple or um, Google Play, I believe. Right. That's the term. So, anyways, point being, the All Star free app, no ads. All right, no pop ups. Fully customizable. You can literally only get news feeds from the sports you care about or teams you care about. On there, though, in the and it's still in development, in the UFC section, the fight picks portion has just uh, launched. We're, we're still getting new features added in, but you can start now earning points. 100% free, but you earn points. And this has a belt system, just like traditional martial arts. Start off at white belt. Uh, and you beyond black as amber or whatever. But point being is you gather the points and these points can be traded in for awesome prizes directly given to you from the all-star, such as a year of fight pass or a cameo message from Ariana Celeste or all kinds of other good stuff. So the point is it's free folks. We are just trying to build a community. We just want fans like you, like Kobe, like myself, who love the sport and just want to share their two cents. We don't do any trashing. We don't rag on anybody. We keep it all positive. So it's a good place to, like I said, come share uh, the sport together and enjoy it all for free. Uh, the all-star sports app available in all your play stores. That's awesome. And for our pro sports podcasters fan, the all-star sports app does cover all sports. This isn't strictly MMA. So whichever sport you follow, they're going to have it there. 
That is true. All right, buddy. Good talking to you, buddy. Kobe, my man, another long time fan of the sport, and I'm looking forward to having another golden conversation with you soon.